Welcome to the Abbott Loop Community Church Podcast. For more information about Abbott Loop, visit abbottloop.org. Well, amen. We're excited to be here. Well, when we were communicating with uh, Eleanor about what we, should be, what we should talk about, she said you're in a series about coming into your true identity, knowing who you are. And I'm real excited to be talking about that because I think that's one of the most important things any believer can learn. If you know who you really are, you can overcome the enemy. If you know who you really are, you can move forward in faith into all the blessing God has for you. And so my message this morning is releasing the river of your spirit, letting Holy Spirit reveal your true identity. Because, see, God wants you to be continually filled with his overflowing life. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and might have it abundantly. And he describes that flow of life as a surging river. He says, he who believes in me out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And so he wants the flow of Holy Spirit through you to be a river that refreshes your life. He wants it to flow from your innermost being. The problem is, well, what many Christians experience in their daily life is not the refreshing refreshing flow of the Spirit. Instead, they live in perpetual dryness. The forces of the devil have gained access to their life, quenching their joy and cutting off the free flow of the Spirit. And one of the most important things you can learn if you want to drive back the enemy and experience God's refreshing river of life is to know your origin and your true identity. So let's, I'm going to just begin by reading a couple passages. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, How we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him great pleasure. Psalm 139 says, You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, those are some incredible verses. If you really understand what they're saying, it will change your view of you. And see, God's goal for your life is wholeness. The Hebrew word for wholeness is shalom. It means peace, well-being, fulfillment, health, and happiness. But see, we have an enemy named Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, in the ancient world, every city had strong walls to keep out enemies. 
And those walls were important. As long as the walls were intact, the enemy could not overrun them. But if the wall was broken down, the enemy would come in and plunder them. And see, God has given each one of us a wall of protection also. Our problem is most of us have holes in the wall. As long as the walls are intact, you're safe from the enemy. But if you have gaps in your wall, the enemy can come and access your life. And see, Satan is always looking for an opportunity to do you and tell your neighbor, the devil doesn't like you very much. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Jesus said Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He can attack you. He will attack your family. He'll attack your church, your city, and your nation. And when Satan finds a gap in your wall, he will use his opportunity. He can attack your mind, your emotions, your will, your health, your finances, and your relationships. Now, what creates those gaps in the wall that leave us vulnerable to the enemy? Well, one thing is deliberate sin. If you sin, you create a gap in your wall. Remember the story of Balaam. Balaam said, I can't curse these people because they're gods. But he said, here's what you can do. Tempt them to sin. And once they've sinned, their, their defenses will be gone. And that same thing is true for us. If Satan can tempt you to sin, he creates an access point to bring destruction into your life. Another thing is occult activity. If you uh, dabble with a Ouija board or do horoscopes, that will give the demons an opportunity, an access point into your life. Another thing is unforgiveness. If you hold unforgiveness in your heart, Ephesians 4 says that gives the enemy a foothold. But the good news is God has a way for your protection to be restored. If you're aware of deliberate sin in your life, you can confess and be cleansed. If you've dabbled in the occult, you can repent and be restored. If you've held unforgiveness in your heart, you can forgive and that protection is restored. But see, there are some gaps in our wall that are harder to identify. And the most devastating gap of all and one of the hardest to see is believing Satan's lie. The most devastating gap in our defense comes when you believe what Satan tells you about who you are. See, Satan's primary strategy is to lie. John 8, the devil is a liar and the father of lies. And he's able to speak his lies into your mind. Acts 5, 3 Peter told Ananias and Sapphira, Satan has filled your heart. And his strategy is to lie to you about who you are. Now, Satan's lie is like a tree. It has a root, it has trunk, it has branches. Let's look at the case study of Israel in the wilderness. The root of their believing the lie was their past experience. They had lived as slaves. No one cared for them. They were oppressed by the enemy. They were worked to death. Their babies were murdered. And because of that, they were willing to accept Satan's lie. Satan came to them and said, you are worthless. No one will ever do you good. You will always be left to die. Now, that's what Satan said to them. That's not what God was saying. 
God said, you are my chosen. I've come to deliver you. I want to take you out of Egypt into a wonderful land of milk and honey. But Israel's problem was they chose to believe the lie instead of the promise. Every time something went wrong, their first response was, we're just going to die. Exodus 14, you brought us into the desert to die. Number 16, you brought us out to kill us. Numbers 20, you brought us here so that we would die. What were they believing? The lie of the enemy. Because they believed the lie, Satan cheated them out of the promise. And see, that same thing is true in your life. Satan's strategy is to lie about your identity. He wants to say, to tell you, you are unloved, you are unwanted, you are rejected, you are not good enough. And some of you have, he's used many different people in your life to communicate that. Some of you have heard it all your life. You're not welcome, you're not wanted, you're not attractive, you're not smart, you're not strong, you can't get it right, you can't do it well enough, people don't like you, you won't amount to anything. Now, if you, if you have heard that and if Satan has been telling you that, you know, that's what the lie sounds like. And he's used many different things to plant that lie in you. He's used your conception for some of you. Some of you were told, you know, you were an accident. We didn't really want you, but you just came. Some of you, it's the circumstances and the timing of your birth. Maybe your parents were at a time of great financial hardship when you were born. Sometimes it's family problems. Maybe your parents went through a divorce. Sometimes it's parental favoritism. It was very obvious that mom liked your brother better. Sometimes it's problems with teachers at school. Maybe that your teacher ridiculed you before the class. Sometimes it's personal flaws or rejection by peers. You always got picked last for the team. And out of all of that, Satan reinforces his lie. He says, you are unloved, unwanted, rejected. You are not good enough. That's his strategy of rejection. Now, if you believe what the enemy has tell, told you, it can have several different results in your life. First of all, one option is that you can go into rebellion. You hear what the enemy has told you, that nobody wants you, nobody likes you. And so you rebel. You said, they don't want me. Well, I'll show them. And so your life is characterized by anger and aggression and stubbornness, defiance, harshness, hardness, swearing, fighting, refusing comfort. So some respond by rebellion. Some respond by self-rejection. You hear what Satan has told you and you say, well, they don't want me. Well, they're probably right. I'm just not worth anything. And so your life is characterized by insecurity, negativity, pessimism, fear of failure and loss, fear of others, unbelief, hopelessness, and despair. But there's a third option. Some hear the lie of the enemy and believe it, and the result is independence. They don't want me. Well, I don't need them. I'll just prove I am somebody. And so your life is characterized by being self-centered, selfish, competitive, 
striving, critical, jealous, proud, arrogant, perfectionist, and manipulative. Now, no matter which way you respond, in rebellion, in self-rejection, or independence, that's not a formula for a happy life. It's not a formula for a life of success. If you believe the lie, a door is opened to bring great destruction into your life. Some of the symptoms of believing the lie are things like this, typical sin issue. If you believe the lie, you'll be in unbelief because it'll be hard for you to believe that God would watch out for you. Jealousy, you look at other people, see how come they're blessed and I'm not. Self-pity. Oh, why can't I ever? And there's just no hope for the future. Rebellion. You will hate correction. Because you see, if someone's trying to correct you, you'll just take that as rejection. And so you can't be corrected, and so you just stay in a mess. Proverbs says a wise man loves correction because that's how he improves. Legalism. You'll be working for approval all the time. Unhealthy relationships because you are so convinced nobody loves you that you will do anything it takes to get some love and acceptance. You'll get into very bad relationships. Same thing with sexual temptation. You just need acceptance. Isolation, apathy. You become a loner. So believing the lie will create a gap in God's wall of protection for your life. And Satan will use that to bring attacks on your emotions, your will, your finances, many other areas. So what's the solution? What's the solution to believing Satan's lie? Well, the solution is to know the truth of God, to know what God says about you. And see, the Bible is not just a book about God. The Bible is a book about you. It's written to tell you who you are. The Bible tells us that God planned you and prepared for you before the foundation of the earth. Let's look at some of these verses again. Ephesians 1:4. God chose you before the foundation of the world. Tell your neighbor, God chose you. Ephesians 1:5. Before the world was created, God loved you and chose a destiny for your life. I mean, before you ever even were, God saw you and he loved you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God has a good plan for your life. That plan was not an afterthought. It began before the universe was formed. Psalm 139, 16, all your days were written in a book before any of them came to be. Did you know God has a book about you? Hey. Jeremiah 1, 5, before he formed you, he knew you. Before you were born, he set you apart for a unique purpose. Ephesians 1.11, before creation, God predestined you. That means he designed a unique and perfect destiny for you to fulfill. Ephesians 2.10, God prepared good works in advance for you to do. That means you have a call of God on your life. You have a purpose for your life. You did not just happen. You are not an accident. You were a thought in the mind of God before the universe was brought into being. And see, that's your origin. 
And then God prepared to bring you into the space-time continuum. Psalm 130, I love this verse. Psalm 139, 15 and 16. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. You know, for a long time, that verse bothered me. I thought, didn't David know where babies come from? (laughs) Woven together in the depths of the earth? And then one day I was reading it, and God told me what it meant. What it means is God's work to create you began long before you were in your mother's womb. Back at the creation of the world, God began weaving together and positioning the elements and the compounds that would be necessary to form your body. And so as he created the earth, he said, I need some calcium here because that's going to make her bones. And I need some iron here because that's eventually going to make its way to be red blood cells. And he positioned and wove together all of the elements that would be necessary to make you. And he said, as he was forming the earth, his eyes were looking at your unformed body and getting everything ready for you to be. And then finally, after uncounted ages of preparation, when the time for you was exactly right, God knit you together in your mother's womb. And see, God wants you to know where you came from and how you got here. You are not an accident. You were planned. Jeremiah 29, 11, his plan for you is to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. In Romans 8, 28, he says, in every circumstance, he's working to fulfill his good and perfect plan for you. Ephesians 2, 10 in the Amplified Bible describes you this way says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, that we may do those good works which God predestined, which he planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. And when I read that, the picture I get is of an artist carefully preparing his masterpiece. You know, when I was in high school, I read a book about Michelangelo and his life and how he went through the process of creating his great works of art. And what it showed is a masterpiece begins with a thought in the mind of an artist. He gets an idea, and then he takes it and he ponders it. Many times he'll ponder it for a long time He'll draw sketches of different aspects of what he wants to make. And he'll ponder it until he knows it intimately, until he knows exactly what he wants it to be. When that happens, he goes to the quarry and chooses just the right stone. Even raw materials are carefully chosen with the goal in mind. We're told that when Michelangelo went to the marble quarry to find a a, a block of marble that he could carve into his great statue, David, he found a block that was so flawed it had been discarded. Nobody thought anything good could come out of that block. 
But Michelangelo looked at that flawed block and he said, that's the one I want. And they said, no, you can't do that. Don't you realize that is so flawed? And he pointed to that rock, that block of marble, and he said, David is in that rock. It doesn't matter if you're flawed. God has a plan. And so then the artist takes that block and he begins carefully to form it. He just doesn't just whack at it with the hammer, but he forms it very carefully. And the final result is the thought that began in his mind becomes a beautiful work of art. It becomes his masterpiece. And see, that's what God has done for you. God planned you before creation. He thought about you before the worlds were formed. He loved you and chose a perfect destiny in your life. He worked in the physical universe to bring together the raw materials for your body. And then he knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you to life at exactly the right time to fulfill your purpose. And he gave you unique abilities to do what no one else in all the world could do. And that means you're his masterpiece. You're designed in the ages of eternity. You're intimately loved and chosen by God perfectly formed and brought forth to fulfill your God-given call, destined by God to share his glory forever. And then Satan comes, and he tells you, you are unloved, unwanted, rejected, and not good enough. And you believed him. But see, if you know your identity, if you know who you really are, You can stand against the devil. You can see your wall of protection restored. See, God wants you to know who you are. He wants you to repent for believing the lie. You know, at Glory of Zion, we have a phrase, the good news is you can repent. If you have believed the devil's lie, that you're worthless, no good, and rejected, I have good news for you. You can repent. You can say, Lord, I'm sorry I believed the devil instead of believing you. What you need to do, go to the word. Allow God to show you who you really are. Allow God to speak into your life through his prophets, revealing his call for you. And then choose to believe his word. Then move forward in faith to fulfill your destiny. And as you reject the lie, that wall of protection is restored and the oppression of the enemy is cut off. You begin to walk in a level of freedom you've never experienced before. So let's stand together. And I just want to go through some passages. And some of them, you are going to have a hard time believing and I want you to choose to believe him anyhow. Believe what, the, what God is saying about you. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you would rest down on each one here. Minister to them. Open their minds to your word. 
cause faith to arise when they hear what you have said about them. So first of all, if you have believed the lie, right now, right where you're standing, repent. Say, Lord, I, I admit I, I believe that lie. All my life I've thought I wasn't good enough, that nobody cared, that I'd always just be rejected. And Lord, I see that's not what you've said about me. So Lord, I repent. I turn from the lie. And I choose to believe what you say. Now receive God's word. Allow God to speak to you and tell you who you really are. God says he chose you before the foundation of the world. So thank him for that. Say, Lord, I thank you. I was chosen by you before the world was ever formed. Ephesians 1.5, God loved you and chose a destiny for your life before the world was formed. Say, Lord, thank you that you love me. You don't love me because of all the good stuff I did or how pretty I am or how strong I am. Lord, you chose to love me before I was even here. You loved me before the world was formed. Now just believe that. Say, Lord, I receive that. God says before he formed you, he knew you. Before you were born, he set you apart for a unique purpose. Say, Lord, thank you that you have a purpose for my life. You brought me into being for a purpose. I'm not an accident. God says he wove you together in the depths of the earth. That's, that's overwhelming to think about. That when God formed the world, he made sure that everything would be in place for you. And then he knit you together in your mother's womb. Doesn't matter if your mom was happy about it at the time. God was happy about it. It was God's plan. And God has a good plan for your life. Say, Lord, thank you that you have a good plan for your life. Tell your neighbor, God has a good plan for your life. Good plan. God says all of your days were written in his book before one of them came to be. Say, Lord, I thank you that you have a book for me. And I'm so excited to see the ending. Because you say it's going to be good. He predestined you. That, that means he created you with the unique destiny to fulfill. He looked at your life and he said, here is the ultimate destiny that would bring the greatest fulfillment and satisfaction. And that is the path he is leading you on. God prepared good works in advance for you to do. You've got to tell your neighbor, you've got a call of God on your life. God has good works prepared for you to do. You have a purpose. 
And then God is working all things together to fulfill his good plan for you. If you will walk in his purpose and love him. And you know, that's just scratching the surface. There is so much the word has to say about you. And just tell God, Lord, as you show me, I'm going to choose to believe what you have said. Lord, I will choose to believe your word and then move forward in faith to fulfill your destiny. Amen. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray just blessing to rest down on each one here. Lord, I pray for each one here that there would be fresh vision of who they are, of why they're here. And for the one that's standing there saying, I don't believe that, none of that can be true, I've got good news. You can repent. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.